Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Monday, December 28, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? What's on the screen? We're going to cover the big picture. We're going to take the 30,000 foot view. We're going to talk about the time of the year. We're going to talk about the impact. We're going to talk about some important dates coming up in the future, like in January. What are the dates in question? What am I watching for? We're going to talk about that kind of stuff. In the last video, we talked about looking at some of the various stocks and or ETFs that drive certain sectors. What about the health of those certain markets and or leading stocks? We're going to try and do that again today. The market's very, very quiet. This is the time of the year, the holiday season, especially between New Year's and Christmas, or I should say between Christmas and New Year's. I don't mean to talk backwards or anything, but this is a point in time when the market is expected to be very, very quiet. Anything can happen, but the large majority of the time, not a lot does happen. The market gets into float mode. There's not a lot of participation. A lot of money managers, traders, investors across the board are not participating in the market, which becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Others don't participate because they know that there's a lack of participation. So therefore, there's a lack of participation slash volume slash conviction so the market just tends to go into quote-unquote chop shop formation slash float mode okay fair enough does that mean we can't take away something does that mean we can't learn anything does that mean there aren't trades on the board and obviously none of those things are true we can always learn something there was a trade or two on the board today we use every single market day as an opportunity to learn something and take it with us into the future to use to our advantage when treating this as a business knowledge is our inventory certainly money is inventory as well but knowledge sounded better at the time it fit the conversation what are those two lines bunched together at the top of the screen we're going to get to those in a few moments when we talk about the intraday activity as it relates to inside the numbers let's get back to the daily chart is there anything jumping off the page well yeah pretty much a the trend is up the market is above all the moving averages there's nothing technically wrong with the tape whatsoever we're at new highs did we make a new high today the former high was 372.46 and today's high is 372.59 making a high by pennies backing off a little bit closing the day not at a new high but making a new high intraday that's garden variety market behavior whether they close at a new high today they close at a new high tomorrow if they never close at a new high we'll have gotten a attempt at a breakout get a failed breakout or a failed attempt to make a new high the market can sell off we don't know that it will we don't anticipate what it will or won't do what we do is we watch the tape based on what the tape does we have our opinion based on facts based on information and feedback that the market is giving us so for example if the market's going to make a turn it's going to make first an intraday turn from a shorter slash smaller time frame five minute chart 10 minute chart 15 minute chart we're going to see a reversal on one or many of those charts it'll morph into an hourly chart 
After that, it will morph into longer time frame charts and right on to the daily chart. So we should, and when I say we, meaning inside the numbers members, should get a beat on when the market does put in whatever kind of turn, when it does decide to turn. Now, can the market continue to trade higher? Can it make new highs into the new year? And the answer is, yeah, why not? There's no reason that it can't. We don't know that it will, but there's no reason that it can't. We don't anticipate it will or it won't. Once again, we wait for the market's feedback. If the market continues to make new highs, the volume is light, there's no reason it can't continue in an uptrend. Guess what? We know this already, but the trend is your friend until what? until it's over. If we look at the weekly chart, just to get a glimpse, this is a new week and the market's above these lines on the top. However, what they were doing for the last, let's say four weeks in a row, was just eating time off the clock, building energy for what? Energy for another leg higher. Is that other leg higher starting now? Is it going to be a failure? Is it going to go a lot higher? We don't know the answer to any of those things yet. However, when the market's at new highs in an uptrend, we can't assume it's going to end until the market tells us that it has ended. Now, before we move on to inside the numbers, and I say until the market tells us it's going to end or has ended, right? Well, there's a caveat here. There's a couple of dates coming into the future. Now, we don't know the impact of these dates. We don't know exactly what the market's going to do into these dates. And we don't know what the market's going to be doing into these dates. These dates could be turn dates. So for example, if the market's trading down into one of these dates, you could see a turn back up. If the market's trading up into one of these dates, we could see the market turn back down. So here's a couple of dates. And what's interesting about them is this. Each has its own characteristic, but the first date is around the 5th of January. Now, what's important about the 5th of January, it's also the date of the runoff election in Georgia, the Senate election. So what's interesting about that is that certainly could have a geopolitical slash real-time impact on our markets based on the outcome of that election. So that's interesting. The date has nothing to do with the election. However, there's no accident or coincidence that the election happens to fall on that date. If that didn't make sense, rewind the tape and listen to it three more times. It does make sense. Now, the second date happens to be around the third week of January. Let's call it the 21st. It could be slightly earlier. It falls around a weekend. The 20th is a Sunday, I believe. And the Sunday is the important day. Things could happen before the important day leading up into it. Things could happen after the important event. After the important event takes place begins the 21st in market terms. So let's watch for what the market's doing leading up into the third week of January and leading out of the third week of January. Be interesting information. There's more dates into the future. We'll leave those for another video. I don't normally give specific dates in this video. However, the fact that I did leads us to believe that they may or should be important. So at least I believe these dates are gonna hold some importance. So let's watch, see what happens, and let's switch gears now to inside the numbers. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna run through the commentary pretty quickly. The market was basically a gap and flat today, a little bit of a go. 
The market gapped up this morning and it basically went sideways to higher most of the day. It was a creeping day, a grinding day, a chop shop, a narrow range after the gap up in the morning. So there wasn't a lot of intraday activity. Again, we can attribute that directly to the time of the year. It's the holiday season. There's not a lot of participation. That's just is what it is. We take the market that exists each and every day and we take the opportunity they lay on top of us. And if the market doesn't provide opportunity in any given day, we just move on to the next day. That's how we treat it as a business. In this case, we had two stocks on the move. I'm going to hit these right now. We had JD and Lemonade, L-M-N-D. They both hit their price objectives or their entry targets. And we'll take a look at the charts once we run through the notes. We'll start with pre-market commentary. Happy Monday. POTUS signed the next stimulus slash rescue bill for about $900 billion. POTUS, in case you didn't know, President of the United States. That's not enough for us to wake up green and continue the climbing the wall of worry. I don't know what is, but that is essentially the reason. And by the way, nobody thought they weren't going to sign the stimulus bill. Nobody thought that this deal wouldn't get done. But this is the way Washington works. They go back and forth. The media pretends one side's winning, the other side's stiff-arming. It's not going to happen. Everybody's going to get screwed over. And then all of a sudden, at the 11th hour, it happens just like everybody planned it out. Funny part is, it's the same routine each and every time. Once in a while, you have a government shutdown, but most of the time at the 11th hour, they work out some kind of a deal that's good for politicians, bad for everybody else. The norm is for markets to remain rather quiet this week through the new year. Again, anything can happen, but out of 100 times, 80, 85, nothing's going to happen. Let's move along a little bit and see what the early thoughts were. What's the setup this morning? So here's where we need to start paying attention. Let's see what numbers emerge, and then we'll go back to the chart and see why those numbers were important. And what this does for you is gives you the ability to see where these numbers come from, and then you can apply that information. You could apply that skill set to some other morning, tomorrow or beyond, and say, hey, let's use the same concept of where the important numbers are and why, and then we can extrapolate that out into other days. It's a learning opportunity. This is a three-pillar approach. The first pillar is learning the foundation of how markets work. Lazy E-mini trader course. The second pillar is these videos each and every night. It's like continuing education. The third pillar is inside the numbers where it's more of a PhD in what's going on in the market. Where are the opportunities intraday? How can we take advantage of them and make money using them? Early thoughts. They jammed them up over the big fat round number and these are ES3700 and SPY370 for starters. Those are seem like they're the same numbers, but they're actually different from each other. However, we'll just focus on big fat round numbers from a conceptual standpoint, and we know that big fat round numbers will be support from a psychological perspective, but what would be an important spot before that? Well, they're jumping over an hourly chart breakdown candle high. So naturally, that spot would be important. Now, it sounds easy. Naturally, that spot would be important. Again, I'm using the 80-20 rule even better than that. The majority of the time, the large majority of the time, that spot, that breakdown candle high on an hourly chart, for example, or a bigger time frame is going, or any time frame for that matter, is going to be important. 
So the first thing we're going to focus on is 371.15. That's the number. Let's go check it out. Routine, you know it. SPY five-minute chart. Vertical line, right of it's today's activity. Two horizontal lines. 371.86, we'll get to that one later. 371.15. Didn't we just talk about that one? Yeah, we did. Where'd the market open the day? Opening print, 371.75. An important number, 371.15. What do markets like to do to or around important numbers? Simple. They like to run a test. So therefore, are we surprised knowing that information? Are we surprised that the market ran down to run a test of 371.15? Oh, by the way, it's pretty close to a big fat round number, 371. What was the low over here? 371.07. So you can see you've got two things going on around the same number. You have the important number of the breakdown candle high, and then you have a big fat round number that's really the same number within pennies. So you have two reasons why, A, the market would first like to run a test of that area, and B, if they did run a test, there's a high degree likelihood that they're going to find at least at least some temporary semblance of support around that zone. Why? Because there's two reasons why the market would want to run a test, and then they're going to do two things. They're either going to react in the other direction, bounce off, go back in the other direction, or they're going to stick around, hang out for a cup of coffee because they have a different destination in mind. But wait, there's more. No, but wait. There's a third thing. The third thing is what happens if they just keep going? So you're planning to buy at 371.15 or 371 or in that neighborhood. This is a hypothetical trade. And all of a sudden you find price significantly lower than that. They didn't even stop off for a cup of coffee. How does that happen? Why would that happen? Well, the third thing is if they blow through it, then the number was wrong. They had a different destination in mind. Anything goes. We have to have our exit plan all times before we get into a trade. So we need to know where the ripcord is, right? Where would we pull the ripcord if in this scenario we're a buyer at 371, 371.15 in that neighborhood? Where would we pull the ripcord knowing it would be wrong? Well, if we started closing candles inside of 371.15, and this is all inside the numbers, it's all in the notes, they started closing candles inside there, then they've recaptured. So they've tried to jump over the breakdown candle high and they gapped over it. That's one way to get through it. But and if they come back inside of it, that's like a failed breakout of sense. So closing candles back inside that number would be a signal that the bulls are fumbling and we could have a door open for lower prices. We got off the beaten track a little bit. Let's refocus inside the numbers and the commentary, and then we'll go back to the chart for a second. On the flip side, we're going back to the early thoughts. We didn't even get to the opening yet. On the flip side, the all-time high was 372.46, and it's not that far away. So we know that that's on the table. If they start pushing higher, why can't they get to the all-time high? Of course they can. So it's always going to be on the table when you're a stone's throw away from the all-time high. There's some resistance, however. Here's another number. So get out your sticky notes and write this one down. There's some resistance at 371.86 before they get to the highs. Let's go check that one out. Remember that? We already saw this number. Back to the five-minute chart. 371.86 is the top line. What was the high in the first candle of the day? 371.83. So they didn't get to it. It was a gap. And then what happened? When they came back to it later... 
They got over it, and then it became what? You got it. It became support. Where have you seen or heard this before? All right, let's run up through some of the notes. What I urge you to do, go back to the charts and check out what's going on after the commentary is put on paper. We kind of did the summary of the whole thing without me having to read you the whole thing. So what I'll do is I'll scroll up so you can see the notes and then you can go back to the charts to double check the work and all that stuff. But you saw the numbers, you saw that the market did the thing it was supposed to do right out of the gate. It basically stayed in a chop shop formation all day long. Busted through, made a new high real quick, pulled back. That's the way markets work. Nobody who's been around markets for a long time would be surprised that they spiked through the former high but didn't close at a new high today. That's not uncommon market behavior. Remember the stocks on the move? We had a couple of entries, JD 81.45 and then a secondary at 80.34, LMND 113.93, secondary at 109.30. If we're painting by the numbers, the way this works is we have a half position at entry one, a half position at entry two, our average is in the middle, and it should work from there. The reason we have two entries, when we have two entries, is because we can make the equal case that they can run a test of either number, and it's equally the same situation. JD, here's a five-minute chart. They had a haircut at the open, came down to 81.45, a slight spike through it, a bounce back over it. They never actually did the full deal. They gave less than a 1% bounce off the number that I like to see, but nevertheless, no harm, no foul. Holiday week, they stopped at the number. It was an important number. They just didn't give you the rocket ride. How about Lemonade Inc.? Who were they? No idea. Two numbers, 113.93, 109.30. You can see in the first 10 minutes of the day what actually happened. They blew through 113.93 pretty readily and rapidly, but the low was 109.19, just slightly below the second entry. And then what happened? They had a rocket ride right back up past the first entry, making a high of 115.37. If you're painting by the numbers, your average is 111.90 something, 111.70 something. I forgot exactly what it was. And that's it. It did as advertised. We move along. It's a mechanical trade. We don't marry the thing. We're not interested in dating the thing. We're borrowing the stock for a few minutes to produce the trade and move on. For a temporary situation, the stock becomes our inventory. We're buying a piece of inventory at what price? We're trying to sell it at another, period, full stop. Now, before we move on, let's just take a mental snapshot of the daily chart of the S&P 500, SPY, same routine, okay? Uptrend, around new highs, trying to break out to new highs. Will they break out? Won't they break out? Is this going to be a false breakout, a failed attempt breakout? We don't know. Take a mental snapshot in your mind of the SPY. The IWM is my favorite market leading indicator. Now, we can make a case that that's a reversal day on the IWM. Again, we didn't have tremendous volume, but we had better than average volume just by a touch, but better than average volume. So I look at it this way. On a relative basis, average volume on the IWM against almost 50% of the average, or a little less than that, of the volume of the SPY is interesting. 
So on a relative basis, the IWM actually had heavy volume today. They gapped up and finished on the lows, creating a reversal candle. Interesting. They're high on the chart, but remember what we said before. Reversals start somewhere. IWM is my favorite market leading indicator. Doesn't mean the other markets follow the next day. Doesn't mean the other markets follow the same day. But we look at these things as a canary in the coal mine, a leading indicator. Is this market trying to tell us something of what's to come in other markets? That's how we use them. And guess what? It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. How you doing? Here is our favorite canary in the coal mine. This is the folks down at the transportation department. So we've got the same thing we've had for several days. Look at this. Contained by the 20-period moving average. Can't get above and close above. Okay. Inside of that, or because of that, we've got a bearish pattern working, a bearish wedgish slash flaggish pattern on the daily chart hovering underneath the 20-period moving average. Okay. We're starting to get a short stack of bearish stuff in the transports. Okay, fair enough. The transport's my favorite canary in the coal mine, my second favorite market leading indicator. The IWM had a reversal day. The market's trying to make new highs once again, but we know there's going to be a reversal at some point. The market's always going to correct at some point. Doesn't mean the uptrend is over, just saying that it's always going to correct. One of these corrections will morph into something more. It will morph into something ugly. So we're on the lookout. We don't know which one, but we're on the lookout. So we have to look at all these things and we have to take every single market, every single day, every single situation seriously. Talk about a canary in the coal mine. So here we have a weekly chart of the transports. Fair enough. Now, we also have three weeks ago, the transports were making a new high. They put in what I like to call a pseudo doji candle. And we can throw this in the bucket of signs and signal of a trend change, but they have to work with something else. So in and by themselves, not so important. When they're matched up with something else that becomes a full stack, whole different bucket of importance. I don't mean to sound confusing, but that's stuff that's taught in detail in the course Lazy E-Mini Trader. Is this a canary in the coal mine from a few weeks ago telling us that here's a top and you're not going to see a new high? Next scene shows they're going to be down at the 20-week moving average and everybody has the deer in the headlights look saying, hey, what happened? We don't know that, but we know that that's completely possible. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? And by the way, I'm telling you right now, we have no time for the stocks and or ETFs. However, I will get them done this week. I'll find the time. If not, I'll do a separate video. I do want to go over that stuff because there is a method to the madness. It's valuable to look at those on a periodic basis to gauge the health of the market. Anything wrong with the cues? Trend is your friend until the very end. Yep. 30350 was an important number. We're above that by a lot. Yep. Nothing else to see here. Yup. Closed at a new high today. Yup. Nothing else to see. Anything wrong with the XLF? Absolutely not. Up a little less than one half of 1% today. That's fine. What's the target? 30 bucks. We know about that. If it comes down and starts coming down and starts getting below 28.10 on daily closing basis, that's a whole different ballgame. Until and unless that happens, it's an uptrend. Trends is your friend until the very end. And guess what? 
30 bucks is the target, and we know why. And if you don't know why, you're probably new here. Go back and watch some of the previous videos. I explain exactly why 30 bucks. About Smash Mouth, now here's another sticky note situation. So you have the transports that looks like this. You have the SMH that looks like the transports. Riding the 20 period moving average, you've got a bearish, wedgish, kind of flaggish thing going on. And it's in two markets that represent leading indicators of another market. So for example, you've got the transports that's a leading indicator of the economy as a whole, but it's a leading indicator of the market as a whole. Whether you want to buy that story or not, it's a different ball game, but I've been using that for a long time and it works to our advantage, doesn't necessarily mean next day, next two days, but whatever, it's generally a leading indicator of what's to come. Now, in here, the SMH, or Smash Mouth as I like to call it, it's a leading indicator of the tech space. So is this trying to tell us, watch out for something to come on a negative side of the tech space? Why would the SMH, which is the semiconductor index, not be rallying along with the Qs? You have a divergence. So you have a divergence in the SMH from the Qs and you have a divergence in the SMH from other parts of the market. So why is that? Usually the semis are a tell. That's why I'm talking about it. So we have to watch it. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. It's a sticky note situation. Is the market going to turn one morning? Are you going to wake up to a gap down? And I'm not saying it's a tremendous gap down. I'm saying, is the market going to correct or start to correct overnight, leave some people at the altar who wanted to get short? Yeah, that's generally the way it works. Sometimes they turn intraday and let you on. Other times they gap down. You try and hop on. They whip you out. They turn around. You know the routine. There's going to be a piece of news. The market's not going to like the piece of news, whether it's virus related, whether it's stimulus package related, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter what it is. The market's going to absorb a piece of information at a point in time where it's going to take it in negative light and it's going to start correcting. That's inevitable. It's going to happen. It could start tomorrow. It could start the first week of January. All I'm saying is be on the lookout because it's coming. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.